0: Good morning, world. Welcome to another episode of Zendependently Minded. If you are a new or returning listener, I truly hope you enjoy this episode. And before we get into the episode, here is a brief word from our sponsor, Anchor. How's it going, guys? It's your boy, Pyotr Tchaikovsky, back at it with another episode of Zendependently Minded. Hope you guys are doing well. A lot has happened since we last talked, A lot has happened since I last spewed my unwarranted opinion into a microphone, but I'm here to save the day. Right off the bat, if you guys don't know, Pyotr Tchaikovsky is by far the most famous Russian composer in Russian history. And if you guys didn't know, there's actually a Philharmonic concert. I don't remember where exactly I was reading, but there's, you know, there's Philharmonic concerts all over the world, but... There was one that was going to have a concert and they were going to play a lot of Tchaikovsky's music and they decided they were not going to. They were going to cancel that either that show or that section of the show because they said, quote-unquote, it's not the right time. It doesn't feel like the right time. Whew, man! And we knew this was coming. The overcorrecting, the attack on normal Russian citizens, either, either by normal people because they're virtue signaling Or by corporations, because they're virtue signaling. It's here, it's disgusting, it's bullshit. And this, I don't take this personally, but I find this frustrating because I love Tchaikovsky's music. I actually listen to his music. I have a couple on my my YouTube Red subscription. I don't even call it YouTube Red anymore. But I have quite a few of those classical music compilations that I listen to when I'm studying, when I'm reading no, not really when I'm reading, but definitely when I'm writing, those compilations have gotten me through, they got me through my first book really easily, really well, it keeps you calm, kind of, you know, you guys know, listening to classical music, it's great, there's a reason why it's still so popular to this day, and Tchaikovsky is one of the greatest composers of all time, definitely one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Russian composers of all time, and It sucks because I love his music and it sucks seeing this guy getting attacked when he's been dead for over a hundred years. He has nothing to do with Putin. He has nothing to do with the horrors that are going on in Russia and Ukraine that could possibly expand to the rest of the EU. He has nothing to do with that stuff. So as a kind of slight show of support, I'm just going to recommend at least my favorite piece from Tchaikovsky. I love the the whole entire Opus 48 for a serenade for strings, but the section that I like the most is called Morricone, Gabriel's Oboe. You should listen to that. It's beautiful. It's great. And yeah, this, this canceling, you know, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more, but it's, we're overdoing it guys, but I'm not surprised. I don't want to say we, cause I'm not doing it. And I'm sure a lot of my audience is cringing at that. Oh, we're not selling Russian vodka here. Oh, we should go seize every, every person who's Russian that happens to have money's fucking yachts and stuff. It's, it's it's not necessary. It's not doing any good. In fact, it's going to only make things worse in the long run. And uh you know, I don't know if we're going to if I'm going to talk about it later, so I might as well get it out of the way now. You need to keep in mind, people need to keep in mind that Russia, they don't have the freedom to get on the internet and look at things as freely as people do in other countries. They can still get on the internet, I'm sure they have ways to get around the propaganda. But what do you think they're telling the citizens right now of Russia? Of course, a lot of them are protesting, they're getting detained in Moscow for finally understanding like, oh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Russians, most of them don't support the invasion of Ukraine. They see Ukrainians as their brothers, their sisters, and sometimes they actually are. Ukrainians and Russians, they have family members that live and they cross used to cross borders and they spend time with each other. Most of them do not support the invasion. A lot of them are just now finding out, and that's why we're seeing demonstrations in Moscow. But what do you think the Russian propaganda is putting on their news? Are they saying, "Oh, you know, we're in the wrong. It's our fault that you guys are your guys money is inflated over 30% or 40% whatever it is now?" No they're blame they're going to blame germany poland all of nato the united states especially in the wake of this russian import ban on oil um and it's going to create a hyper nationalist mindset for these citizens moving forward those that don't you know those th- can you blame them i mean obviously It's easy for Americans to be like, oh, why don't you just wake up? Why don't you just look at the news? It's not that easy when it comes to Russia. There's propaganda. People have been, they've been controlled by fear for 23 years now. So it's going to create, it could create a hyper-nationalist mindset that, and it's going to create a bunch of people that, radicals in Russia that hate America, that hate Germany, they hate NATO, they hate the EU. And this is a problem. This is a long-term problem. I don't know why these long-term problems are not being thought of by more people when they make decisions like this. It all adds up. One little Walgreens in in the middle of Arkansas saying, oh, we're not going to sell Russian vodka. That's one one shop. But all of them together accumulating, it's a snowball effect. And, you know, when, when you have people sinking yachts because just because the person's a, a billionaire, knowing, you know... How powerful and how influential Russian oligarchs are. There probably is a chance that that Russian oligarch who got his yacht sunk is not the best person in the planet. I've acknowledged that. But we can't continue to attack people like Pyotr Tchaikovsky just because he's Russian. This is insane that people are not seeing this. And if you bring it up, a lot of people are like, oh, so does that mean you support Russia? They'll just straw man the fuck out of what you're saying. It's retarded. It's annoying. It's super frustrating, but I just had to get that off my chest. Here's what happened. This happened in Afghanistan. This happened in Iraq. When a kid finds out that his his Al-Qaeda or Taliban or ISIS father or uncle or brother was bombed, they're not going to look into the context and be like, oh, you know, was my dad the bad guy? Because the... They're not telling their kids, "Oh, we're the evil guys. We wake up in the morning, we put on our we strap on our bulletproof vests and our and put C4s on our dogs and whatever." They're not waking up thinking they're the bad guy, and their kids are not thinking they're the bad guys. And as soon as they see and they find out that their dad got bombed, what happens to them? They they you've just spawned a whole other group of ISIS members, Al-Qaeda members, Taliban members. I'm not saying we shouldn't be killing them. That's not what I'm saying at all. But you have to think about how this stuff is going to affect normal Russian citizens and how it could hurt them and how it's going to hurt the rest of the world for anybody who has to, or tries to work out some kind of diplomacy with Russia in the future. Going forward, this is a bad look. This is going to hurt Russians and they're going to be pissed and they're going to want to blame someone. Of course, I hope, you know, in the best scenario, they blame Putin because I've said this before, While there are some things that, you know, NATO expansion, blah, 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 all this bullshit aside, no matter what, you can't be invading a sovereign country and killing innocent people. No matter what you think in your brain is justifiable, the ends do not justify the means when it comes to killing innocent people and invading a sovereign country. And like I said in the past, (laughs) in the last episode, I kind of sounded like a bitch. Hope I wasn't too preachy on that. Not a lot of people listen to it because it was just straight to Spotify, which, by the way, I had no idea just adding a song from Spotify makes it only available on Spotify, and that's a stupid thing for a small creator like myself to do because I can't be limiting my... I can't be making a... <laughs> I joke about, oh, yeah, I got a $50 million deal with Spotify or with Stitcher to be... to go straight to their platform or whatever. I can't be doing that when I, when I only have, like, 120 or so... Listeners that I know of, at least. Um, Anyway, you know, I talked about this on the last episode. There's people being radicalized. I'm sure it's been been happening since the beginning of time. But it feels like there are so many radicals and radical groups today. And I talked about it before. There's a group of radicalized journalists that I follow. I still follow them because I still want to see what they have to say. And... Help! I there are there are a few political podcasts that I listen to, actually two that I listen to: the Jimmy Dore show and Breaking Points with Crystal and Sager. I disagree with with a lot of what they say, but I still listen to them because I like to hear opposing viewpoints. It can get annoying sometimes, but I do it. And there are some journalists like Aaron Mate, um, Max Blumenthal, and then Jimmy Dore constantly retweeting and typing stuff out, and. They've been so radicalized from, like I said, the Bush era, the Warhawk era, that they oppose and hate and they villainize every single thing that the American military and just American politicians do when it comes to foreign policy. Not only do, are they showing their lack of foreign policy expertise, they also don't have any military expertise or education, or they're not talking to people the way that I have been talking to people in the military that can see these things and they understand, and they can explain the bigger picture and why we're doing things. Why do we have a base here? Why do we have a base there? Why do we have troops here? All that stuff. They don't understand this stuff. And like I've said before, I firmly believe if you have been radicalized to support, like in as a knee-jerk reaction to Support the opposite of what you've grown up around or what you've been raised to believe or what you used to believe, you're not genuinely supporting that belief system or that ideology. You're just doing it to spite the other side. If you come to that side and you understand through education and you realize, oh, you know what? I may have been wrong before. Fine. But when you've been radicalized, You're not actually supporting them. You're doing it to spite the other side. And that's what I've noticed with a lot of these journalists. They're pointing out things like, oh, you know, there's some neo-Nazis in Ukraine. Therefore, it's okay for fucking Russia to invade and kill innocent people because there are some neo-Nazis. Yeah, you know what? There's going to be neo-Nazis that are proudly, the way they see it, fighting for their homeland or whatever. That's what a Nazi is, a nationalist socialist. So yeah, there are bad people in Ukraine. Doesn't make it okay. And, you know, of course, Aaron Maté, Max Blumenthal, Jimmy Dore, they're smart with what they say. They're not outright saying it's okay to go invade Russia, but they're insinuating it. Why the fuck else would you bring up neo-Nazis in Ukraine? You're trying to you're trying to villainize the Ukrainians, and you're trying to victimize the Russians. That's especially what Jimmy Dore has been doing. That's been really fucking alarming, and, you know, I haven't unfollowed him, because I'm not gonna... I'm not going to shy away from opposing viewpoints, but goddamn that definitely has lowered my respect for people like that to sit here and genuinely, genuinely sit back and not think about the bigger picture. And that was the main takeaway. That was my main point for the last episode. Fuck all the bullshit and just be a human, be a human being. And rather than pointing blame, which is a fucking waste of time, why is Jimmy Dore... Bringing up fucking how Noam Chomsky warned about this 12 years ago. It's done. It's happening. Let's focus on how to stop the problem at hand. Solve the issue at hand. And try to prevent it in the future. And I trust the... Not only the United States military, but the militaries around the EU to take care of it. I think that they'll take care of it. They've dealt with things like this before. I'm not going to sit here and be like, You know, you should do this. I said it in the last episode. There are probably mistakes that were made in the past. All that gets thrown out the window when you start to kill innocent people. And that's it. That's where I stand. That's where I'm going to continue to stand until I see otherwise. The last thing I want to talk about on this topic is just a warning. Make sure you guys watch out for the propaganda. There's a lot of emotional pro-war propaganda that's getting pumped out there. And I know because I fell victim to some of it. I fell victim to a lot of the emotional stuff, like I've said before, I'm an empath, I get very emotional with a lot of things, sometimes I let the emotions get the best of me before kind of thinking about it, um, logically, and sitting back and kind of removing myself from, because like I said, I'm an empath, I'm very good at connecting with someone's emotions and feeling what they feel, and sometimes, like I said in the previous episode, it can be a gift and a curse, and in this instance, I did fall for one bit of propaganda, wasn't technically pro- i mean so that's that's the weird thing about this propaganda it's been talked about a little bit before but I'll touch on it briefly i'm not sure i can't confidently say whether or not there is never a good but there's never a noble lie or there's never a good instance in propaganda i'm trying to think of the long term but of course when it comes to stuff like you know pushing morale uh increasing morale or keeping morale morale at a steady level with a piece of propaganda like the snake island story the snake island story it's not fully fake but also those guys surrendered after but the post that goes around is the audio of them saying oh oh hey lay down your weapons and surrender and capitulate or whatever and then the ukrainians are like should i tell him to go fuck himself and then afterwards it's like and then they were killed and it's like shit wow that's super brave. The ghost of Kiev, that's also a piece of misinformation or uh, it's not fully true. It's misleading. And when you, for the purpose of keeping morale up, I understand it. But also if you look at the bigger picture, I said this before, you're, when you are, when you're victimizing or you are propping one side up, especially in a conflict like this that has so many people, uh, so many countries, so many military um Military, yeah, so many military organizations. When they have, when there's so many moving parts, someone is taking the, the, the brunt of the damage. I talked about this with that ghost of Kiev thing. I didn't fall for that in the beginning because I fucking, war sucks. I hate war. I shared that Ernest Hemingway quote. There are an infinite amount of opportunities before you get to war to figure out the conflict and to solve the issue. That's what I genuinely believe. I don't care what anybody says. There is always a way to not go to war. If you get dragged into war or whatever, you know, that's a topic for another discussion. But, that Ghost of Kiev thing. Oh, yeah, he you know, he chalked off six six fighter jet, Russian, Russian fighter jet kills already. And I'm like, man, those Russian military people, they're not necessarily evil either. That's what I'm trying to say. I talked about the World War II German military people also. I'm not going to repeat myself again, but just watch out for that prop for the propaganda on one hand. Yeah, I understand it's pushing up morale, but you're creating a villain. You're creating villains in certain situations or you're lying. Um, And yeah, it could be you could you could argue that it's a noble lie. I've yet to hear a good argument on that. But at the end of the day, it's a slippery slope when you say, oh, you know, I've talked about this before. I talked about this before this conflict even began, before there are really any whispers about it this year. With COVID and with just anything politically, with today, with how much information is out there, you can point out to someone that's like, that shames anti-vaxxers and they think everybody should be required, it should be mandatory to have vaccines and boosters and masks or whatever. You can point out a piece of information that Prove something that they're claiming to be false, and they won't care. I've seen this many times. I've seen it argued for this wartime propaganda well well, if it doesn't matter if it's wrong, doesn't matter if it's fake news, doesn't matter if it's misinformation or disinformation as long as it aligns with what I believe what I support and I can't be a part of that. You guys can if you want at the end of the day, you know circulating the ghost of Kiev picture. It's the least bad thing right now that's happening. It's just something I'm being mindful of. And I just want to let you guys know. um, You know, suggest that you guys be mindful of the wartime propaganda as well. I know usually when I do video podcasts, I tell you guys what I'm drinking. Today I'm drinking orange juice. So, yeah. Moving on. Let's see. Look at my notes. Oh, yeah. So I was going to talk about... Biden's State of the Union address, my main takeaway, you know, I turned it off within five minutes because not just with Biden, every single State of the Union address is fake phony bullshit. It's an echo chamber of bullshit where these people go. It's the fakest garbage that I've ever seen. It's why I hate the debates. It's why I, you know, I hate the the traditional politician kind of rally platform or whatever rallies are fine but it's stuff like this where you can tell this fucking biden pauses every 10 seconds every little sentence that he speaks he pauses gets applause from those two parrots behind him kamala harris and nancy pelosi it's cringe it's stupid it's a fucking waste of time i'm tired of people acting like actions don't speak louder than words because when it comes to the Biden administration this far you're the thing that really got me was when he was talking about COVID, and he was insinuating that COVID is so much better now because of the Biden administration, the current administration, we took care of COVID, blah blah blah. COVID is existing exactly like it did before. I've talked about this before. COVID will continue to exist. Biden is insinuating that COVID is now over or it's under control. It's in the exact same position as it was going to be no matter what the only issue the only difference is that you and the government have decided to lessen and uh, to lower restrictions to lessen restrictions and to drop mandates all across the united states mandates are being dropped there are only a couple psycho cities that are holding on to vaccine and mask mandates Biden insinuated that he got rid of COVID, but he didn't. It was the government's choice. We've been saying this the whole time, and that fucking pissed me off. I didn't listen to the rest of that piece of shit State of the Union address. I don't care about any State of the Union address. Didn't care about Trump's anytime. Didn't care about Obama's. Didn't care about Bush's. I wasn't even old enough to give a shit about what Bush was doing anyways. Wasn't paying attention until about... I started to care about politics and pay attention to it and start looking into it. About I wanna say really in twenty twelve, leading up to Obama's second run. Um that was when I was in middle school and the stuff really genuinely, you know, I felt like, oh, this affects me. I'm gonna start paying attention. And since then, you know, I've paid attention. Um my opinions of course have changed as I get older, as I become an adult and I grow into a young adult and live on my own or whatever in the real world, but the State of the Union Address is bullshit. It always has been. It's an echo chamber for all these people to stand up and clap because they don't want to lose their job. They want to sit there and they want to be... They're all yes men. It's garbage. It's trash. I don't want to sit here and listen to Joe Biden twist things. It's not even him. It's his speechwriters twist things to make it look like he's doing a great job. And you can argue that he's doing a good job in certain areas, But I'm going to get into that a little bit more. Especially when it comes to gas and oil. But I don't want to spoil anything. So let's get the other things out of the way. So fuck the State of the Union address. I'm tired of that shit. Do away with that. Nobody cares anymore. The only instance in when it's good is in a time of, like, a serious crisis. When there's a serious crisis going on. And like I said, I brought it up earlier, morale. If you need to unite a country and, um, increase morale with a, with a nice motivating speech and inspiring speech, that's fine. I'm not saying the president should be allowed shouldn't be allowed to do speeches. It's, it's just that the state of the union address is not that it's not to unify the country. It it's not, it's, n- it's never been to unify the country. It's especially in this time of year, it's a plea to get people to vote Democrat. So they don't lose so hard in the 2024 election which they will, but, so, I talked about college debt a little bit recently, and I wanted to share this story that I actually heard on, uh, Breaking Points with Crystal and Sager, there's, <laughs> I read this crazy story about someone who was, who tried to declare bankruptcy on their student loan debt, and they were in the bankruptcy court, and I guess they originally won the case, and were able to, to file it I don't really know how that works. I couldn't explain it, but basically they're going to not get rid of their debt, but they're going to file bankruptcy successfully on their student loan debt. And then from what they said in the podcast is that the Biden administration pushed back on that and actually, what do you call it? Um, they, they appealed that decision. And the argument that they made, this is what blew my mind. (laughs) The argument that they made was the the one in debt has a 13-year-old child who's almost old enough to work and therefore can contribute to paying off debt. No comment needed. I'm going to leave it there. (laughs) So, let's see. I'm not going to talk about that. I don't care anymore. All right, so... Oil and gas. Many times in the past I've noticed, growing up, noticing how people would complain when Obama was president, when Trump was president, and now that Biden's president. They would complain, and they would, without really understanding context and understanding how many different facets there are to gas prices, they'll immediately go to blame the president. In this case, it's actually... Biden's the Biden administration and Biden himself's fault that gas prices are as high as they are, and I'll explain. When Donald Trump was president, he moved America to be the highest exporter of gas and oil in the entire world. America was as least dependent on oil as they as they've ever been, at least in recent times. Domestic drilling and domestic production was up the keystone pipeline had to get permits going but it was going well america was not so dependent on other countries for oil and if you can remember when donald trump was president gas prices were lower so in that case because of trump or the trump administration you know whoever makes those decisions it could be it's a mix of both that's how the government works gas prices were lower Because America was not as dependent on other countries, like I said, domestic production, the Keystone Pipeline, those are all factors that led to the lower price and the higher availability of gas and oil. As soon as the Biden administration got into power, they started to reverse this. They ramped down domestic production, domestic drilling, drilling sites, and Biden actually canceled or halted and suspended the Keystone Pipeline permits. So the pipeline is not going through. That's why gas prices are going up. What happens then? If you ramp down domestic drilling, you have to fill that void that is left behind by that by pumping oil and importing oil from other countries. One of them is Russia. Apparently, the figure that I read, you know, we only get about 8% of our oil from Russia, but that 8% is a lot. (laughs) People forget that um, people in, like, Poland, they're like, ah, it's only 8%. I'm like, yeah, well, America's 8% because of the size of the country is probably as much as your 99% dependency on Russia. So yes, you can say thank you Brandon or whatever weird cringe shit you want to say. The problem is, like I said, the issue is the issue is that gas prices are skyrocketing. They're going to continue to skyrocket. Let's hope that we can find some solutions and some some way to offset the 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 Russian ban on importing oil. The ban on Russian impo- uh, oil. Jeez, I don't know why. Blah, 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 blah. It's because I haven't drank coffee this morning. Usually, when I'm recording an episode, I have some coffee in me. My brain is moving at a whole nother speed. Sometimes I feel like it's too fast. Um. Anyway, the more dependent you are on other countries, the better your foreign policy needs to be to maintain the relationship and ensure that oil flows freely for the citizens. Because Everything, everything on the planet, unless you have a Tesla and you have a completely solar powered home relies on oil. And even then there, there's just little things in our lives that, you know, we purchase that rely on machines that use oil, that use gas, blah, blah, blah. I don't have to explain that to you guys, but I am seeing the Biden administration is trying to look elsewhere to kind of offset. That 8% that we're missing out on, that's really affecting people, especially in California. California has always had high gas prices. I have always wondered, and for some reason I haven't looked into why that is exactly. I'm sure there's lots of reasons, but I saw some pictures of $6 a gallon. And I want to note, not trying to like, not trying to, well actually I am. Glass half full, guys. Because here in Germany, it's still around seven thirty or 7 50 a gallon when you because things are in euros and in liters but when you when you uh do the calculations it's still about like seven and a half dollars per gallon so it could be worse i hope it doesn't get to that point for all my fellow family members and friends back home but it could be worse um and obviously germany and a lot of the eu most of the eu is dependent on russia for their oil so that germany can't announce tomorrow and they're not going to and they've said this before they're not gonna announce an, a ban on importing russian oil because that would literally kill the country gas prices have slowly been increasing due to probably lots of other factors but we haven't seen a giant hike here in germany <clears throat> because you know they haven't decided they're going to cut that off they can't it's it's impossible everybody would suffer extremely here luckily for me I've never really paid for, like, German gas prices. As an American, I get to, if I go on base or go to an Esso gas station, I actually can get U.S. gas prices. And I don't know exactly how that fluctuates or whatever. Obviously, it's going to increase, but it's still not as bad. (laughs) So, for me, I guess, like I said, glass half full. It could be worse. I could be paying $7.50 a gallon for my car. And I have a big tank in my car, so... Anyway... The main takeaway, my main point is in this instance, you can blame the increase in gas prices on the current administration. I'm not saying whether or not reversing the the pipeline, reversing blah, 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 I'm not saying whether or not that's a good thing. But I'm not going to give my opinion on that. There's a lot of factors in that. um, Because on one hand, you can try to be more dependent on other countries and not drill and damage the earth you know, in your own country, but it's still happening there. (laughs) It's happening either way, or you can do it in homeland and you can make it cheaper for your citizens, but also destroy parts of the earth. So it's damned. If you do damned, if you don't, I'm not going to give my opinion on that, but I've given you the facts. You can blame the president for the cost of gas right now in this instance. So moving on, let's see. Oh yeah. The New York times posted this opinion piece and it said it was titled why do some people never get covid and i just wanted to explain real quick that's not how it fucking works and i know the new york times know this i know they know this they just put bullshit out like this they're still talking about covid people still should talk about covid there's still people that are dying but i've said this before today a year ago two years ago what i've said and what i believed still stands firm and i still believe it's the best way to go Focus protection, let individuals make their own decisions. I've said this before. I'm not going to get into it again, but that's not how COVID works. It's a respiratory virus. You cannot stop it. When you sneeze, when you breathe, when you talk, when you sing, when you cough, if you wipe your mouth, you wipe your nose, you touch your face, everyone does these things. You cannot stop a respiratory virus, especially Especially when knowing that when people get vaccinated, their symptoms are lessened. So there are already so many, there are so many, uh, there are already a lot of asymptomatic cases. You factor in the high vaccination rates, COVID doesn't go away. It just means that it's traveling from host to host the same as it did before, but people don't know because it's lessened the symptoms and it's kept them safer and, you know, most likely reduced the severity of their case if they were to contract COVID. It's still traveling the same. Everyone has still gotten it at the exact same rate as they would have gotten it if nobody got vaccinated. The only only thing is, of course, the vaccine protects the individual and it reduces the severity of the case. So I don't know what the New York Times is going on about. But it's like I said, it's a respiratory virus. You cannot stop it, especially knowing that animals can be carriers. White-tailed deer can be carriers. Birds can be carriers. I think I read some dogs can be carriers. So it's it's not that people never got COVID. I think that's impossible. I think it's damn near impossible. <clears throat> if, you think, if you think of the most extreme case of someone that's terrified of COVID, and whether it's justified or not, that's not my business or anyone's business. If they find it within their means to only stay at home, have someone deliver groceries, I guess you have a less chance of getting COVID. But then you have to factor in that the guy delivering the stuff, whether they're wearing gloves or not, or whether they're wearing a mask or whatever, them possibly giving the person COVID. Also, every single grocery that's in the grocery bag was probably not disinfected by Lysol before it was put in the bag. Might have been touched by someone else in the store. Might have been touched by the bagger. probably was. Touched by the cashier. Whatever. The, the chances, you cannot fully avoid getting COVID. I think like in that most extreme case, you can lessen the chance, but there's always a chance you're going to get it because of how easily it's spread. And just because you, you haven't had symptoms or noticeable symptoms does not mean you've had COVID. That's not how it works. There are so many cases of asymptomatic people. I have had, let me count, one, two, three, four, six family members that have had COVID. None of them died, thank God. All of them, I think, were vaccinated, so that probably played a part in it. But two of them, were asymptomatic two of them were asymptomatic and they only knew because I think they were going to go travel and that's why um they had you know they had to get a test the way that they do it here in Europe or maybe they're going out to eat I'm not sure but <clears throat> asymptomatic cases are very common they're more common than we're ever gonna know because people most of the time are not getting tested unless they feel like they have covid like they suspect they have covid or they're gonna go travel so it's not that some people never get COVID. It's just that some people never know that they got COVID. Uh, and that's it. I firmly believe that I've gotten COVID at least once. I have to have gotten at least one of the... What was there? Five or six main strain uh, variants that have flown through us in the past three years. Or two years. How many years has it been? Yeah, it's been two years. Um, <clears throat> a little over two years now. I firmly believe because... I went out grocery shopping. I had to work in retail for a little bit. I worked a couple retail jobs during COVID, actually. I've traveled. You know, I didn't have the luxury to just stay home and never go out. Um, I firmly believe that I've gotten it either the time, a couple times that I had a cold or just after I was vaccinated and just didn't know. But that's just how it works. It spreads really easily. And the main thing should be focused protection protecting people who need it most and letting everyone else live the rest of our lives because there's nothing you can do to stop the virus so we should instead of trying to do the impossible let's do the possible focus on the possible which is protecting those who need it most so that's last i'm going to talk about COVID today um actually yeah i didn't look into this enough to talk about it but i will archive this yahoo screenshot in the description of the of the podcast so there is there's a document, I think, that was released on Pfizer, or Pfizer might have released in them themselves, that was documenting adverse events related to getting the Pfizer vaccine. I mean, this isn't really new news. We talked about it before. There with any vaccine, there's going to be adverse events. The problem though with the COVID vaccine is that people who talked about these things were getting censored. They were getting shut down. And there is liability protection for companies like Pfizer and Moderna and AstraZeneca and all these companies that's the gross thing the gross thing isn't that there's side effects i wish in a perfect world in a, with a perfect vaccine you know we're not going to get a perfect vaccine when it's rushed um and it's pumped out quicker in record breaking time thank god for the vaccine it saved a lot of lives i've i've acknowledged that many times um the people that i know that have gotten covid I firmly believe really half of them um, probably would have died or had some permanent damage had they not been vaccinated. Just knowing them, I'm not going to get into details. But it's the fact that these things are being censored and they're being either not, the general population was not being told, or people who are trying to tell them were being shamed and censored, and also the fact that there's liability protection. Because yes, there are going to be side effects with vaccines. If there was a perfect vaccine with no side effects, that would be great. But there's never been one that didn't have a side effect. Whether it's, I've talked about this before, whether it's severe or whether it's very mild, people need to know about it. And this bill shows that there are many adverse events and there were deaths. There were many deaths related to, not related to, that came directly from, directly caused by the Pfizer vaccine. And you can read this yourself. I'm putting the archive link down in the description. Check it out yourself and, you know, make your decision. So, last thing I wanted to talk about. I actually have this bill on the computer. Let me pull it up. So, the don't say gay bill, Florida. So that's a big topic right now. And, you know, my very first reaction to... This to hearing the you know the outcry because I I didn't know shit about the don't say gay bill until it got passed and people were freaking out and uh, people like Mark Hamill are just losing their mind on Twitter just typing you should look uh, if you don't believe me see this yourself go to Mark Hamill's Twitter and see how he just posted the word gay all the way across the tweet it's just gay 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 I'm like ah man that's so brave you're helping so many people you're really showing you know, how strongly you're standing up to this don't say gay bill, which is horrible. So the bill is titled, the, the amendment is titled HB 1557. First thing I did when I heard about this don't say gay bill was look up, what does the bill actually entail? I don't want to read because if you type in, let me do it right now, just as a test. Don't say gay bill. So you type it in. Here are the very first three results. NBC News. Don't say gay bill, Florida Senate passes controversial LGBTQ. So you click on the article, doesn't tell you what the bill actually entails. They give you a skewed version of it. ABC News, don't say gay bill, passes in Florida Senate. ABC News again, independent.co, AP News. AP News is trash, by the way. Nobody should use AP News anymore. Um, but that's topic for another discussion. Anyway, I, after doing some digging, found the Florida Senate government website. And I actually downloaded the PDF so I could read over what the bill says. And I 110% support HB 1557, or the Don't Say Gay bill. Reading this bill and knowing what I know about kids growing up, the deteriorating quality of education in public school in America right now, and just seeing the the endless examples of kindergarten teachers that have green hair and piercings and they're talking about coming out as transgender to their class shit like that is not the only cause but it is a big cause of why kids are so developmentally stunted part of it lies on the parents of course because schools should not be raising kids they should be there to educate their kids parents should be raising their kids and also playing a small part in educating their kids I'm not a parent, so I'm not going to sit here and act like I know how to raise a kid. But I know that the way it's going right now, something's not working. <laughs> and one of the big issues is, I've talked about this in the past, a previous generation, the I guess you call them Gen X, the people that were born in the, the 80s and 90s, their kids are now growing up, not having had either at least one parent or any of their parents really present in their childhood growing up. A lot of their childhood was spent on technology, on the internet. And it has stunted their development, especially in the, uh, the social aspects of development. I'm not trying to sound like some stupid boomer here who's like, Oh, technology bad, but... Because technology also helps. I think it helps um, a lot more than it hurts. But what I'm trying to get at with this bill, as it relates to this bill... Parents are not, they don't give a shit about their kids as much as they should, so they are not paying attention to how well they're doing in school, they're not paying attention to the teachers and what the teachers are teaching the kids. And we're seeing it now. Kids are socially retarded. They're questioning their gender, they're questioning their gender identity, they're questioning their sexuality, they're coming up with these pronouns, they're focusing on things that kids, it matters when you get into, especially when you get into the tail end of middle school and you get into high school, you know, you have hormones pumping through your body, you're probably getting romantically involved with someone, you feel like you're in love, whatever. That stuff matters. But this bill does not attack kids like that. It doesn't attack teachers that want to talk to their kids and ex- and help kids explore their sexuality or whatever. This bill just prohibits kindergarten through 3rd grade teachers from talking about Sexual orientation and gender identity, and I'm 100% fine with that. Because if you don't, if you know anything about the development, the de- developmental stages of kids, like I said, Jordan Peterson explained this. I've done research on this because I'm genuinely curious about it. It's interesting to me. There's a point in a kid's life in their the early, the first few years of their life, and then you know going into kindergarten, and when you get older. When a kid is, when their kid's brain's developing, their identity is developing and they do this thing that, I don't remember the technical term, but Jordan Peterson explained it great. It's called fantasy play. And it's when a kid plays with toys that are, you know, they experiment. It's an experimentation, it's an experimentational phase where kids play with masculine and feminine toys because that's their, that's, like I said, it's the experimentation phase. It's the phase that they understand And start to form their identity. See, you know, if they like to play with building blocks, Lincoln Logs, Legos. They like to use the mechanic tools, you know, the little hammer and tool set. Um, Or if they're a girl, they like makeup, they play with Barbies, whatever. And that's never been a major issue until recently. Um, I played with Barbies with my sister when I was younger. I've shared this story many times. It's just a normal thing that kids do. That's a part of the kid's developmental stages in their early life and figuring that identity. But that experimental phase is not actually being acted out because a lot of kids are growing up on the internet. They're growing up playing on tablets. They're watching videos. They're watching baby shark, whatever they're watching. Instead of their act, instead of acting and experimenting on their own with their hands, the way they're naturally supposed to that early part of the, the developing stage of their life is being spent on the internet. And that definitely is directly could be a direct cause to why kids are growing up with identity issues because they weren't able to experience and develop their own identity on their own. They're on the internet and it's kind of putting their brain through simulations and they're not actually experimenting. And then once they get into school They have all these LGBTQIA XYZ allies that are coming out to them talking about how they're bisexual and, oh, you know, there shouldn't be gender norms. All this fucking weird shit that, yes, you can say it matters, but to a kid, it doesn't. It shouldn't matter to a kid. A kid should only come to their, especially with sexuality. Sexuality is something that a kid needs to come to on their own. And you're basically having a bunch of shitty ass teachers, and this is this goes back to another problem, um, the reason you have shitty ass teachers is because you're not paying teachers enough. You're letting teachers know, hey, we're putting a value on you, and it's low, so you're not attracting the best teachers, because the ones that have good education, the ones that are actually worth the damn, the ones that are actually going to have a good impact on a student's life, they have a fucking Ph.D., They've been teaching for 10 years. they're not going to take some bullshit job where they're making 40k a year. It attracts these weirdos that go and they groom kids on their sexuality and their gender orientation. These are things, yes, that matter, but these are things that people need to come to on their own, and kids are impressionable. And when you start telling a 12- year- old, "Oh, you know, that's actually, oh, you like you like dark colors, Stacy. You know, that means, you know, that means you could, uh, you could be born in the wrong body. You could be non-binary. You could be Zay Zerb, all this fucking weird shit. That shit matters to people. I'm not discounting that. But for kids, they're highly impressionable. You shouldn't be grooming them. And this bill protects kids in Florida, public education kids in Florida from kindergarten to third grade. And they talk about how they're leaving, they're moving that kind of education. They're not shaming kids and parents and families from learning about gender identity and sexual orientation. What they're saying, they say specifically in this bill, is that let me find the actual words so I'm not let's see um, oh here we go school district, this is um, line 75 on the PDF you can find it yourself on uh, it says FLS no so it's FL, so Florida Senate.gov. You can find the bill yourself. Um, it says right here, A school district may not encourage classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in primary grade levels or in a manner that is not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. And then somewhere up on here, they talk about, they're, le- they're leaving this responsibility to the parents. That's how it should be. That's how it was for me. I I, I think... I remember in fifth grade my school, my elementary school sent a letter home to my parents saying, Hey, just letting you know, we're going to be talking about sex ed next week. My parents decided that's when they were going to let me know. They were going to tell me the correct things. They wanted to let me know the facts before I start hearing it from friends and I get miseducated on it. Or I think, you know, I have the wrong idea on sex and sexual education and all that stuff. That's how it always should be. Once, kids start to go through puberty and they start to learn sex ed parents also if they feel like you know they don't agree with the curriculum they can teach them themselves that's that's part of being a parent parents have that right and i 100 percent support this kindergarten to third grade that's just not a time that you should be talking about sexual orientation and gender identity kids are barely starting to understand their like I said, experimenting and developing their regular identity, let alone their sexual identity. When has it ever been appropriate for a kindergarten to third grader to think about their sexuality? Yes, when you're in kindergarten, you can have a little crush or a little boyfriend, but when you start to talk about adult things and you start to get into the more adult side and the darker side of of sex and that kind of stuff kids should not be involved they shouldn't be involved and i am wholeheartedly in support of this bill i wish something like this could get passed across the entire united states because i've seen so many disgusting videos of kindergarten teachers on tiktok that are like you know i see them on twitter but they'll post them to their tiktok and then a page will share it on twitter where they're talking about oh i came out to my kindergartners today. Now, I brought in my transgender, non-binary spouse, whatever. Spouse is probably offensive to them. It's not not a supportive pronoun or whatever. Kids need to be learning in the kindergarten to third grade phase, especially in kindergarten. They need to be learning how to socialize. They need to learn the fucking alphabet. They don't need to know it's between your legs. They don't need to know if you're taking a dick up your ass or if you're giving someone a dick. They don't need to know that stuff. And Florida is protecting the kids. They're protecting families. And that's exactly how it should be. And the fact that you have ABC News, CBS, the White House speaking out against it, I hope, I hope the Florida government sues the fuck out of all those people because they're all creating false narratives. They're strawmanning the bill, knowing that people who follow them, like people who follow CBS strictly and don't look at any other source, they're lemmings. They're not, they're going to read the headline and be like, oh my God. Oh my god, this is so discriminatory against LGBTQIA, XYZ members. And then they're not they know their people are not gonna look into it and actually read the bill for what it is. They're only gonna take this skewed this skewed um you know, presentation of it. And it goes the same with every bill. I'm not gonna sit here and act like every single bill that goes across the United States. It's impossible for me to look into them. But the ones that are important, the ones that affect me. You bet your ass I'm looking into it. I'm not going to read what CBS is going to tell me the the bill. I don't even know what the bill's actual name was. It's actually called, so like the title is, uh, I just saw it earlier, something like Parental Education Act or something like that. But, you know, it's called HB 1557. That's like the amendment number or whatever. But it's called the Don't Say Gay Bill and it's being echoed and repeated constantly through the media so now a bunch of people think that florida is discriminating against the lgbtqia xyz community gays bisexuals transgenders all that stuff and that's not the case that's not the case you can call me naive you can say oh you're being biased there's no bias here there's no bias here i don't have anybody who lives in florida i don't have anyone who works in florida i don't have any kids of my own I'm not gay. I'm not a member of the LGBTQ community. I don't really have any family members that are. I have a couple. Um, I guess you can, can... I don't know if they're technically part of the community, but, you know, they're not straight or whatever. Look into this shit yourself. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir. I think that if you're if you're a regular listener of this episode, you agree with my sentiment of doing your own independent, individual supplemental research. And that's what I did today, and I just wanted to share that with you guys. But I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I hope I didn't talk too fast, but there are a couple of things I did have in my notes, but I didn't really feel like they're relevant or that I really wanted to talk about them. I did read this crazy story speaking on Florida. (laughs) There is a Florida teacher that that left the classroom on a stretcher after a five-year-old attacked them. A five-year-old. When I read that, I had to cl- I had to keep looking at other sources because I thought it was a typo. I was like, really, a five-year-old man? These five-year-olds—they're getting big these days. It must be in that Mexican testosterone steroid meat or something. But I mean, thoughts and prayers out to that teacher. But it's it's crazy a headline to see that a five-year-old beat a Florida teacher so hard that they had to leave on a stretcher. That's crazy. Teachers need to get paid more. We also need to have stricter guidelines and stricter curriculum when it comes to teachers. So that's another, that's topic for another discussion. Um, I might be that change that I want to see in the world. I might become an English teacher. I might become a teacher in any subject. I'm not sure. We'll see. Anyway, I'm not going to have a song at the end of this on the outro. I recommended the Tchaikovsky song. I'm just going to have my normal outro, the beat that I made, that kind of lo-fi guitar beat that I made myself. I'm not going to do that music thing at least not until my audience grows because I'm not going to restrict the availability for my podcast for people because people enjoy the episode uh, episodes. They enjoy the podcast, they enjoy or they get something out of my episodes. I don't want to restrict people's you know opportunity to listen to the episodes. So that all being said, I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you for supporting, thank you for listening, thank you for sharing. Thank you for giving me feedback, yada, yada, yada. As always, stay safe, stay away from those crazies out there, catch you on the next episode. Thanks.